And it was just, it was wild to see the growth. I mean, I had one video that got like 12 million. The next video got like seven. The next video got like six. The next video got like 3 million. It was just consecutive videos that were going mega viral. Um, and so I grew a big following really quickly because of it. Brock Johnson is a 25-year-old seven-figure entrepreneur with a passion for helping others grow their following and businesses on Instagram. As co-host of a top 10 business podcast, instructor of multiple online courses, and viral social media creator with over 600,000 followers on Instagram, Brock has helped thousands of entrepreneurs learn to build their business on social media, even with limited time and money. And although his viral growth may sound like a complete fluke, you're about to learn that not everything came easy. His very first online venture got shut down by the National Collegiate Athletic Association. And so my school was like, we will be on your side. We will fight for you on this one, but we're going to have to send all of this into the NCAA and see what they say. And the NCAA was quick to be like, whoa, you need to shut everything down. Everything needs to go on pause. We need to do a full investigation. In this interview, I asked Brock to tell us the full story of all the twists and turns his multiple companies have gone through to end up where he is now. And we even surprised him with a blast from the past that you won't want to miss. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault, available only to our TGP insiders. In the full version, Brock shares what it was like to grow up with a famous mom. He also opens up about the pressures he had in high school as a third-generation quarterback and why he felt so self-conscious about being on TikTok. Oh, I love that story. Also, listen to the uncut version to find out what the number 11 means in his Instagram handle. Become a TGP insider today and get the full story story at theglobalphenomenon.com slash insider. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're commuting to work, I know this interview is going to give you the motivation you need to keep going with your business. You are a superstar and people at work don't even know it. So keep going about your day with your secret identity because we know the real you, superhero. And please head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the only Instagram coach you'll ever need, the great Brock Johnson. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career that has taken the world by storm, creating multiple self-made millionaires and opening the doors for regular folks like you and me to achieve our wildest dreams. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach for online coaches ready to live a rich, passionate, and abundant life without regrets. And I'm on a mission to uncover the secret sauce that made the top coaches in our industry rise to global phenomenon status so that you can be next. Today's episode begins now. Today I have the pleasure of talking to one of my social media heroes, Brock Johnson. Brock, how are you? I am so great. That's an honor to be called one of your social media heroes, but I, I really appreciate that and I'm so happy to be here. I am super excited to talk to you. There's so much to cover today, but before we start, why don't you tell everybody 
what you do right now and who you help right now. Yeah, I love that you're specifying right now because for me, that's changed so often and it's always evolving. Uh, but right now, I am helping creators and small business owners grow and market themselves on Instagram specifically. That's really my forte. All right. One thing that I love is you have built an incredible following online. Can you tell everybody how many followers on Instagram you have right now? Something over 600,000. I'm not sure exactly how many, but somewhere around 600,000. I started following you around the 50,000 mark and your growth wow. has been remarkable. It's just been amazing to see. And um, I, I want to ask you so much about this, but I'm <laughs> going to go back. I'd like to go chronologically. Okay. okay. We're going to go back. You come from an entrepreneurial family. Can you tell everybody who your mother is? Sure. Yeah. My mom is Shalene Johnson, not Shailene, not Charlene, Shalene Johnson. Uh, a lot of people know her from the fitness industry. Um, growing up, she was one of those celebrity fitness trainers. And I put that in air quotes uh, because basically what she did was make those like 3 a.m. infomercials that you'd see if you ever turned on the TV late at night or you went to a hotel and like that was playing on one of the TVs. Um, and so that's what a lot of people know her for. But the reason that her fitness career was so successful was because she always had a marketing brain. Uh, so yes, I come from a very entrepreneurial family. My entire life, my parents have bought, owned, and sold businesses together. My mom's always been kind of the marketing person, the outward facing person who everyone knows. Um, and then my dad works behind the scenes on like the numbers and the more analytical and financial side of things. Uh, but my entire life, they've worked together and they've owned businesses. So I really got to see a lot of that before my eyes growing up. You said once that you were charging kids in your school to mm -hmm. show them how to tie their shoes in a particular way. And I'm like, wait a minute, what does, what does that even mean? How does that happen? Yeah. yeah, I got a random little book for Christmas that like showed you different ways to lace up shoes um, and you could like weave them and make little checkerboard patterns. That was one that I remember really stood out to me. Um, and that was it. It was a Christmas present. Right. And so I started tying my shoes different ways and I considered myself growing up a little bit of a, a shoe aficionado. So I had a, a wide variety of different rainbow color Nikes. Um, and I would start wearing them to school. Right. And pretty soon after starting to wear my fun Nikes with the fun shoelace designs to school, I had my classmates like, Hey, where did you get those? How did you get that done? How can I get that myself? And myself being uh, the little entrepreneur in training that I was, I was like, Oh, well I'll charge you for that. So I started charging my classmates. I think it was like maybe five or $10. And I was like, you bring your shoes, you pick from the book, what uh, lace design you want and what color shoelaces you want. And then I'll take your shoes home. I'll lace them up and I'll bring them back the next day. So that was what I started doing. And my mom had no idea about this. So like one day I remember I came home and she was like, why do you have like a trash bag just full of random kids shoes? But I brought home a bunch of shoes and I started lacing them up. And uh, I eventually with my mom's help, like bought a domain name for the shoes. And I remember going to the mall even and going to like the, the shoe stores at the mall and being like, hey, could you guys like put this flyer up for the shoelace company? And so I, I was into the marketing, um, but that didn't last long. It only lasted for like two or three months. And then my, my young brain was onto the next thing. And I don't know, it was probably summer break and I just forgot about it. But that was, that was what that business was. Yeah. We're going to start transitioning into 
Uh, something else, your football pedigree is very impressive. Your uncle actually played in the NFL, actually won a Super Bowl. Your uncle did. Uh, your grandfather was your coach. Your father was your coach like in high school. Um, and I would like to show you something and get okay. your reaction to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's been three generations. I'm the third generation now of quarterbacks. And with that, there's a lot of pressure, but there's also a lot of knowledge that I gain that other quarterbacks maybe don't have. I just told him just to be himself. And, you know, Brock's very um, spiritual. And so that, 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 that outside stuff doesn't bother him. He knows that he's got, he's got a direct relationship with, you know, God and himself and everybody else, you know, doesn't really matter. He, he had so much pressure on him last year. Uh, amazing amount for a kid that's uh, his age as a junior. It, you know, it wasn't as much put on by us. It was just outside. And, and I know he felt it. And, uh, he's a great leader um, and very tough. I promised him between Brett and Rob coaching him that I'd be a grandpa. Believe it or not, uh, I'm just his buddy. While he's the head coach of the team, he focuses on more being positive and positive with me and reinforcing me rather than one while they coach me. He's just positive back backing me up. Initial reaction when you see that. Yeah, that um those those are the good old days. Um that was fun. I think my my very initial reaction when I saw my face there is uh gosh, I need to grow a beard ASAP. And that's why I've grown a beard ASAP. Um, but no, yeah, that was such a, such a special time. Um, something that was definitely very challenging. And there was a lot of um, external pressure put on me during that time, but um, I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have it any other way. It was so rewarding. Both your father and your uncle made it a point to say, he was under a lot of pressure and he could mm -hmm. feel it. And it was external pressure. What were they talking about? Yeah, just growing up with the generational family tree that I had, um, everyone in our community knew who my family was, especially within the high school football community, um, especially in our county. Everyone knew who we were. Um, everyone knew who my grandpa was, and they knew that I was coming up in the ranks. Um, and so there was a lot of high expectations. It was definitely a, a lot of external pressure. And I internalized a lot of that pressure too. I put a lot of pressure on myself and uh, we might get into that a little bit later, but that was definitely something that I, I dealt with uh, at that age and in high school was that internalized pressure that I put on myself. Tell me a little bit more about the pressure. What is that something that has continued, like putting pressure on yourself to succeed in whatever it is that you're doing? Or was this a football specific thing? Totally. I think it was definitely most specifically on football, but it extended into every other area of my life. Um, I have said this on my own Instagram before is I was a very hardcore perfectionist it was very much a people pleaser from a young age. I wanted to make everyone happy, do everything right. Um, and not just do everything right, but like do everything perfect. I ended up having, um, days, uh, consecutive days for months where I was going to therapy, trying to unlearn these things and heal and, um, break away from these tendencies and habits of perfectionism. And it's, it's night and day now from what it used to be. Uh, but definitely at this time in that video, we just watched from high school, um, hardcore perfectionist, hardcore people pleaser, and that extended and, and affected a lot of my friendships and relationships. Um, so I'm really happy that I'm in a different place now. Um, but that was the result of, um, a long childhood of, of putting this pressure on myself. Did you have 
the the expectation, the dream that you would go pro with football? Mm -hmm. Was that ever a thought in your mind? Yeah, that was not only a thought in my mind. That was the only thought in my mind. Um, it was actually when I was in therapy, like I was just talking about a minute ago, uh, my freshman year of college, I was 20 years old. Um, and my therapist, therapist asked me, what happens if you don't make it to the NFL? And I just sat there dumbfounded. And her and I later discussed that question. Um, and she, at one of our last sessions said, you know, when I asked you that, you didn't have an answer because that was something you had never thought of before. Um, and when she asked me that in that last session, I talked, I was able to answer it. And I was able to say, here's how my life will be. Or here's how my happiness will be. Here's where I'll find my joy. Here's how I know I'll be okay. If I don't achieve this extremely difficult, unimaginable dream that less than 0.001% of high school players ever even get to achieve. Um, I was able to answer that question. Um, and so that kind of showed my short-term progress, but yeah, growing up, that was the dream. That was all I wanted to do was play in the NFL. I would love to know, because you started the online, like tapping into the online world while you were a freshman in college. I mm -hmm. want you to tell the story of your Snapchat <laughs> career mm -hmm. and how the NCAA shut down your business. Yeah. I, I need you to tell that story for us. Yeah, crazy story. So it's really funny now when I say it, but freshman year of college, super homesick. Um, and my mom came out to visit me because I went to Georgetown, which is opposite end of the country from California where I grew up. Uh, so I was homesick. My mom came out to visit me. And not only was I homesick, but I was struggling financially because my parents, even though they were uh, very successful and they offered to pay for everything, pay for my groceries and my food, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I wanted to take the silver spoon out of my mouth. I didn't want to just rely on them to pay for everything all the time. Um, and so I wanted to be able to provide for myself, but I didn't want my standard of living to significantly drop. I didn't want to have to you know, live on the, the cup of noodle diets um, and, and that sort of thing. So I knew that I had to make money, right? And as a student athlete, you can't get a typical nine to five job. So my mom was like, well, then the logical next step is start your own business. Just like you've done your whole life, start a new business. And she asked me, what are you like, what are you good at, at right now? What do you see a hole in the market for? What is there, um, uh, you know, a problem that a lot of people are facing? And at that time, it was 2015. And all over the news was Snapchat and how dangerous Snapchat was and teens are doing crazy things on Snapchat and there's disappearing messages. So I took that knowledge and basically said, hey, I can solve this problem. I can say I can teach other parents and other moms how to keep their kids safe on Snapchat. So that's how that business started. And what happened? Yeah, so I launched it and it was pretty successful. And about six months later, I transferred from Georgetown to UC Davis. And upon starting at UC Davis, I was telling one of the counselors, hey, this is me, this is my background, this is what I do. And I started telling them about my business. And they were like, oh, we might need to talk about that. We might need to take a look at that. Because at that time, student athletes couldn't make money from their likeness, which basically means they couldn't, you know, put their face on social media or really anything and get paid. Now that's totally flipped on its head. It's the opposite and they can get deals and sponsorships and it's crazy now. But back then, only a few years ago, it wasn't like that. Um, and so my school was like, we will be on your side. We will fight for you on this one, but we're going to have to send all of this into the NCAA and see what they say. And the NCA was quick to be like, whoa, 
You need to shut everything down. Everything needs to go on pause. We need to do a full investigation because their concern was that boosters and donors were just giving me money um, through the, the guise of a fake business. Um, so they had to make sure that that wasn't going on. I had to write multiple letters. I had to give them access to all of my logins, all of my uh, customer data and all that stuff. So the NCA could really take a look. Um, and they even threatened that I might have to refund everything that I had made, or I would have to donate my all my income to a, a charity of the NCA's choice. Eventually, the NCA got back to me six months later and was like, you're cleared. Go ahead. We found nothing wrong. You can do whatever you want. Um, but for those six months, it was challenging because I couldn't run the business that I had started. And then you decided to flip into Instagram. So you're kind of like, okay, I'm coming back. But Instagram this time, what happened there? Because you were, you know, gung ho, the Snapchat guru. Mm -hmm. How did you make the switch to Instagram? Yeah. So I was the Snapchat guru and I, I laugh at the term guru. I was definitely an expert um, when it came to Snapchat and marketing on Snapchat. It was such a niche market, especially at the time. No one, not that many people were doing it. I was aware of one other person who was teaching Snapchat marketing. But what I realized was that what made Snapchat as an app special and what made Snapchat marketing special was the stories feature because that's what everyone watched. That's what people consumed. And it was around this time that I was allowed to start running my business again that Instagram released Instagram stories, a direct copy of Snapchat stories. It was also at this time that a bunch of influencers and uh, major business people were like, we're leaving Snapchat and we're going back to Instagram and we're only going to use Instagram stories. I don't want to worry about Snapchat anymore. And so myself recognizing what was going on in the market, seeing all these other influencers leaving Snap and myself kind of having a, a good time to change lanes because I was at a complete stop, right? I wasn't actively growing my business for those six months. It was the perfect time to pivot. At which point did you start to get into TikTok? TikTok was such a funny story of how it got started. We were at uh, my parents' marketing conference, the Marketing Impact Academy, and we were sitting in my parents' room like one evening, I think before dinner, getting ready. And I was like, hey, have you heard of this app Snapchat before or TikTok before? Excuse me. And my mom was like, uh, a little bit, but like not really. And so we all downloaded it and we're all watching and it's just dancing videos. And I love to dance. And I was like, what if I just made one? So I made a couple with my friends. I made a couple with uh, of my teammates. Went back to Davis, made a couple, and then they started going viral. And it was like one after another started to go viral. And this was at a time on TikTok that was, it was the Wild West. It was any video you posted would get millions of views. Because this was the very beginning of 2019 when this was happening. Uh, and TikTok really, most people think of it having its uh, huge growth spike like at the beginning of COVID, kind of mid-2020. So I was on it a year and a half before that. Um, and it was just, it was wild to see the growth. I mean, I had one video that got like 12 million. The next video got like seven. The next video got like six. The next video got like 3 million. It was just consecutive videos that were going mega viral. Um, and so I grew a big following really quickly because of it. Um, and it, it was just wild. And there was no substance to what I was posting. They were just silly dancing videos and trends. Um, a lot of them were with my, my UC Davis teammates. Uh, hilarious to look back on, uh, but it was really fun. Um, and I'm about to quote you back to yourself so you mm -hmm. can kind of give us a little bit of color to this. But at that time, this is like 2019, you're still in playing college football and mm -hmm. you wrote, 
super honesty time. At one point during the season, I got super, super self-conscious about my TikToks because apparently after every game, at least one player from the opposing team would come up to me and sarcastically say, love the TikToks, dude. Right. Yeah. And that creates some self-consciousness. Can you tell us what was happening around that? Yeah. Yeah. So we had um, a wildly successful year, um, my junior year. Then the next year, it wasn't that we didn't have a great season, but we just didn't win as much as we did the year before. And so when you're losing games, it can be frustrating. Um, and add on top of that, the fact that after every game, I was, like I said, there would be at least one guy from the other team who would kind of make fun of me, walk up to me, pick me out of the line and, uh, you know, make some little comment. And for, in my eyes at that time, a backup quarterback, um, on a team that maybe had just lost to be getting comments and be getting attention and, and have this social media presence. I just, it didn't sit well with me. If somebody right now is listening and they're like, yeah, man, I hear you because my family members are seeing my TikToks and they don't get mm -hmm. what I'm doing. They don't understand the like, you know, we as entrepreneurs, we have such a big vision, right? It, we're not just recording this video right now and mm -hmm. getting made fun of. This is a larger thing that we're working that not everybody understands. What would you tell that person that right now is starting to get made fun of or starting to feel a little self-conscious and find themselves posting less and less? Mm -hmm. It is so awesome that you're getting those comments. It is such an honor that people dislike what you're posting because that means that you're reaching enough people that you're able to reach the people who are getting jealous. You're able to reach the people who are envious and who wish that they had the, the courage to do what you're doing. They're seeing you as not you, but a re reflection of themselves and what they're not able to do and what they're not courageous enough to do. So they're saying, hey, come back to my level, come down to my level. I don't want you to, to keep growing. I don't want you to keep stepping into your faith and being bold and being courageous and sharing things that, that I'm scared to share. I don't want you to do those things. I want you to come back to my level where it's comfortable. Um, and so if you're someone who's starting to share online, starting to share reels or TikToks or whatever, and people are making comments, um, keep going, keep going. Don't stop. Cause I wish I could go back and talk to 2018, 2019 Brock and just say, Hey, there's going to be some guys who are going to say some things, but keep posting. Thank you, Brock. Mm -hmm. Um, you, and your mom started a podcast called mm -hmm. Build Your Tribe. I just want to know whose idea it was, who pulled whom into the podcast? Uh, what was the origin idea for the podcast? Yeah, she actually started it before I joined on. I had a podcast back in 2019 called Social Media Moneymakers. We put out about 50 ep episodes. 60. Um, 60. Wow, cool. Awesome. Um, and my mom also at the same time had build your tribe. So they were very similar podcasts in the same lane, talking about the same things. And she was eventually just like, Hey, why don't you come over to my podcast? Like you're doing a great job with yours, but hers had significantly more listeners. And she was like, you can come over and we can both share our knowledge and kind of tag team it. And so, um, I don't remember exactly when we started coasting it together, but she invited me to join and now it's our podcast. Yeah. Um, let's just really bri briefly touch on your incredible growth over the past couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm talking like specifically follower count in, on Instagram. Never mind that you have, you know, a million dollar business with your, please tell everybody about it. What is it and where can people find it just really fast? Yeah. So the Insta Club Hub is the business that my mom and I started to together because 
we were tired of making course after course for Instagram when Instagram was always changing and always evolving anyway. So like we needed to make a membership so that people could join the membership and every single month get updates on what's changed. What are the advanced strategies? How do you actually grow and how do you do so in not having to spend hours and hours on Instagram? And how do you grow with people who are going to become followers? So that's what the Insta Club Hub is. Um, and we're super excited right now. We're about to launch um, on a new platform. So it's going to still be the same value and the same education, but we're going to make it a lot easier for people to consume all of that. Um, and we've spent tens of thousands of dollars and months and months building this new platform to just make it better for everyone because uh, we knew there was a lot of value there and we wanted to make sure that people could consume it in, in an easy way. Um, but if anyone wants to learn more about that, they can either just send me a direct message on Instagram or head to instaclubhub.com and they can learn more there. And I will put the links in the notes so everybody can Thank go and you. check it out. So so never mind that you're completely monetizing this, that this is a, a wonderful business helping people do this. I'd love to know, like off the top of your head, what what was what got you to... 600,000. If somebody were to ask you for like the, the sound bite, like what was it? Yeah. So the three things that got me to 600,000 followers in this rapid growth, number one was consistency. It's the least sexy thing, but it's the honest truth. Uh, April 1st, 2021, I set a goal for myself to post 30 reels in 30 days, one a day for the rest of the month. And at the end of that month, I had grown by 36,000 net followers. So there was probably 45,000 total followers if you include the people who unfollowed during that month. Um, but I saw early success and I just kept going. Now we are something like 650 days later and I'm still posting at least one a day, if not two or three a day, because after a few months of posting one a day, I increased the frequency even further. So number one, first and foremost, is that consistency. Um, and I think a lot of people, they'll get consistent for a month or they'll get consistent for 30 days or 90 days. Um, but really it's it's been two and a half years of consistency. Um, mm -hmm. So that's number one, consistency. Uh, number two, the ability to test and try things out and implement things. Um, I am constantly trying to ask myself, what can I do differently? What can I change? What can I tweak? What made this video do well? What made this video not do as well? Um, and I think it's our job as entrepreneurs not to have all the answers, but to ask all the questions. And so that's why I want to commend you on this amazing podcast. Some of the best questions I've ever received. You've done your research, definitely, but you're also asking amazing questions. And so I want to commend you on that one. But I think that's another, the second part of my growth was asking questions and, and digging deep into the algorithm in my post to figure out what would be successful. And then the third thing is something that I think a lot of people shy away from acknowledging, and that's luck, being in the right place at the right time. The reason why Bill Gates is who Bill Gates is, is because his high school's computer lab let him and one of his classmates use a computer way back like 40, 50 years ago before any of us had computers. He had one from like the age of 12. That's crazy to think about. And there's there's a certain amount of luck involved in that. Yes, there's hard work. Yes, there's dedication. There's consistency. There's know-how. There's expertise. There's all of those things. But there's also a matter of being in the right place at the right time. If I started posting a reel a day today, let's say February 1st, 2023, I probably wouldn't have the same results I had in April of 2021. Part of it was being there to strike early, to strike fast, to, to be doing something on the cutting edge um, and to have a certain amount of posts go viral because going viral on Instagram as many as much as people might like to try to make it a science, 
at the end of the day, there's a lot of luck involved in going viral on social media. And I was lucky enough to have a lot of posts go viral early on. And then I was able to learn and uh, replicate a lot of those things to keep that growth sustained. I absolutely love your ethic in your content. Um, every single thing, I'm going to cry. Why do I cry? <laughs> every single thing that you post that you're, that you're teaching, like it makes perfect sense to me, right? Everything is done with such, I, I'm going to say it again, with such like ethical, moral code that I completely agree and resonate with. And I tell my audience, because they're, you know, if you're a starting entrepreneur, it's time to start to get clients you need to prove that you know that your offer works and everything and there is a time and place for growing your audience and if there's ever anybody that they should be following when they get to that point it is you so um you have been uh this is kind of part of that that work ethic that i'm talking about you have been quite vocal in your social media about um not identifying by name and we're not going to do that here but mm -hmm telling people, you know what, there are accounts out there that are not growing ethically and they're hiding mm -hmm. that from you. And mm -hmm. I would love to know, we're not going to name names here, but I would yeah. love to know what what are those practices that people don't actually see, right? Because all we see is, oh, somebody's posting reels and they're growing, right? Mm -hmm. What are some practices that are not ethical, that you do not condone, that you do not endorse, that you see other people doing, and everybody needs to be just an educated consumer. Everybody needs to be aware that these tactics are out there. Yeah, I think that there's a spectrum. I think there's definitely a gray area. I don't think it's totally black and right, black and white, right and wrong. Um, but I do see some other Instagram coaches and just even we all see them in other areas, other influencers who have grown in less than organic, inorganic, maybe inauthentic ways. I think on the far end of the spectrum, we have the absolute no-nos, which are buying followers, buying engagement, um, doing the follow unfollow strategy, which a lot of people are familiar with and was popular maybe 10 years ago. Um, but then a little bit farther to the left on the spectrum, not quite as bad, but still, in my opinion, inauthentic and inorganic is doing things like buying shout outs, which is something that I've heard uh, many people are doing, where essentially they're paying influencers, oftentimes who have fake followers themselves for a shout out, you know, hey, you're going to post me on your story, I'm going to pay you this much money, and you're going to tag me and tell people to follow me. Um, and that does lead to great results, right? It leads to lots of followers. But in my opinion, that's an inorganic form of growth because it's something that you didn't necessarily earn. It's not merit-based. People aren't following you on their own accord. They're following you because you paid an influencer to recommend you to their audience. Um, so that's something that I think is inorganic that I've seen some people doing. Um, and something, some uh, one way that a lot of people can uh, identify these sort of inorganic strategies is if you look at someone's profile, and you look at their comments section, that's really where you're gonna tell. Views might not always do it, likes might not always do it, but if you look at their comments section and the vast majority of their comments aren't related to the post or they're super generic or it's just a heart or a heart eyes or a flame emoji and there's no real substance to the comments, then it's usually pretty safe to assume that the people leaving those comments are either robots spammers or the people who are just not genuinely interested and engaged. So that might be a potential red flag. 
what is your big goal? You've accomplished a tremendous amount of things for someone your age. Can you please tell everybody how old you are, if you wouldn't mind? I'm 25. I'll be 26 in a couple months. Happy pre-birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to tell you how old I am because, you know. So um, for some, somebody as young as you, you've accomplished a tremendous amount of things. You are where a lot of us want to be in 10 years. So what is your big goal? What is your big vision that you're going for right now? Yeah, uh, it's nothing numbers-based. It's not to hit a million followers or to grow a certain amount of engagement or make a certain amount of money. I want to be the best husband that I can possibly be for my new wife. I want to eventually, if God willing, we have children one day, be the best dad that I can possibly be. And in a business sense, that means working a lot less in my business and working a little bit more on my business and even working less on my business, just working less in general so that I can spend more time with my family. I used to say that I had the goal of retiring by the age of 30, but now look, thinking about that, I don't. You know, I don't even know what retirement means. And also I love working. I've been uh, working really hard my entire life, whether it's with football or with Instagram. Um, so I don't think I'll ever quite be able to stop working, but maybe work on more philanthropic endeavors or uh, do more charity work or build other businesses or mentorship. I don't know. But basically, by the time I'm a dad to be working a lot less than I am right now um, and to just be the best dad and husband I can possibly be. I love that answer. So Brock, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful online coach? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception that people have about me is just that I have it all figured out because I definitely don't. Um, I have posts that do terrible all the time. I am quite disorganized. Um, I need my wife who's very uh, type A to keep my life put together. And I have an assistant and an entire team who it's like number one box I check off when I'm hiring someone is, are you type A? Are you super organized? And you're going to remember things because I'm scatterbrained and all over the place. I don't have ADHD, but I think being raised by someone who does have chronic ADHD, I've picked up a lot of those tendencies, um, but I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all put together. I'm figuring stuff out. I fail at stuff all the time. Every flipping day, I'm wrong about things and I do things wrong. Um, and I'm just constantly learning and trying things out just like everyone else. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily, I don't think I'm at all better than anyone else. I just think I've figured out a few things and I'm still trying to figure out more, but I in no way have it all put together or it all figured out. All right. And if every person who's listening to this right now had to do what you're about to tell them to do, and they have to mm -hmm. do it, they have no choice in the next 24 hours. What is that thing? This is a tough one because I could go on a few routes for this question. I think the most beneficial thing that anyone could do in the next 24 hours is ask for help in some way especially as entrepreneurs. I think this is something that, this is one of my goals for myself for this year. Something that I know I struggle with is asking for help because we think of asking for help as a failure or quitting. When really I saw a great post yesterday, just yesterday saying, uh, asking for help is not quitting. Asking for help is literally the, the opposite. Asking for help is the definition of not giving up because it's saying, I can't do this alone. I can't do this without any help. So please help me. Whether that help is reaching out to a therapist, whether that help is 
hiring a, a team member to outsource something to, whether asking for help is, is leaning on your partner or your friends or your family in some way. I think asking for help is something that we don't do enough of in entrepreneurship. We don't talk about enough of in entrepreneurship. So much of it is look at me, look at what I've done, me, me, me. These are my own achievements. I hustle, I grind, I work hard. When in reality, the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who are willing to ask for help and ask for help regularly and often and all the time. Um, so if I could encourage everyone to do one thing in the next 24 hours, it's ask someone for help with something. Love it. So Brock, this has been amazing. This has been a dream. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? The best place to find me is on MySpace, myspace.com forward slash Brock. No, uh, Instagram. Instagram is the best place to get connected with me. Uh, Brock 11 Johnson, as we said, is my Instagram handle. It's the same handle on TikTok and Twitter and Pinterest and YouTube. I'm trying to be present on all those platforms, but Instagram is the one where I'm most engaged and where I'm most likely to answer your direct message. And we will put the in the notes the link to your program so everybody can go check it out. Thank you so much for being here, Brock. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this interview, you may be wondering what you missed. What did our guests share with me that was so hot? I couldn't even put it in the mainstream version of this podcast. Become a TGP Insider today and get access to all of our uncut interviews, as well as access to the behind the scenes of my six-figure coaching business through my Instagram close friend stories. Head over to theglobalphenomenon.com insider or click on the link in the show notes for all the details. And I'll see you inside our Facebook community for online coaches, where you can share what's going on in your business and connect with other amazing coaches in this space. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook or click on the link in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next one.